follow along, we will be reading from first or from yeah, first Corinthians one, starting in verse twenty six. We'll pray for the Spirit's guidance. Our Lord and our God, as we open your book of life, I just pray that you send the measure of your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord, today. Give us insight and wisdom that we, we didn't have when we came here. I pray that you protect my lips, that I represent you properly, Lord. And I pray that your word penetrates deep into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You may be seated. You know, the last few weeks I've been looking back in history, and this will be the last one on the revival on the islands of Lewis in Scotland. I could have went on for another couple messages on this, but I think uh, the points have been made. You know, when the revival there started in the town of Shatter on December 1949, you know, the Holy Spirit broke through. People could feel the nearness of God. And this was like a miraculous situation. Soon this nearby city of Barvis was consumed in the revival. Why these villages? Why these islands off of Scotland? Was there something special about them? Was there a reason God chose them? You know, the Reverend uh, David Surley he was in Barvis during the revival for a while, and here's what he wrote about Barva, Barvis. Barvis, he says, no one tended insult to its gracious and lovely Christian people is one of the most desolate spots on God's earth. Surrounded by monotonous peat moors and bogs, saturated by brine-soaked winds straight off the Atlantic, and with inhospitable a climate as you'll find in the United Kingdom. 
This scattered community with its struggling houses along miles of lonely roads was chosen by God for some reason which we will never fathom. God sent his love upon the place and purposed that it should become the seat of his Shekinah glory. I believe that in the divine operation room where the map is on the wall marked with forward battalions in that divine conflict with the power of evil, Barvis is a golden star, one of the choice companies engaged for the battle for the kingdom. Yet Barvis has no organ, no guitars, no orchestra, no choir, no hymnal even. And we all we could add to that They had no religious organizations for boys and girls, no Awana, no church seminars, no programs at all. So why did God choose them? Why did God choose these towns? What they did have, they had a faithful weekly church service. The prayer service have followed many times the church service and a Wednesday evening prayer service. But also they had a community of prayer meetings in the surrounding homes, the surrounding cottages. And I believe that is why God blessed this community. This community was taught from tradition from John Knox that said he was more Calvinistic than Calvin, how Christianity must be every day in your life. Christianity basically was your life. And the people obeyed the command to be prayer warriors, to pray. They took serious the verses found in Scripture in Matthew 21, 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and brought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you had made it a den of robbers. The importance of prayer. In Acts 66, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in numbers, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of worship. Prayer and the ministry of worship. Notice they put prayer first, the importance of it. In prayer, the people... Of these islands, islands of Lewis, they trusted in God's promises that prayer did work. 
that God answered prayer. You know, in 1 Chronicles 7:12, then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. If my people whom are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Forgive their sins and heal their lands. At the time of this revival, the people were seeking the promises of God. They wanted their lands healed. They wanted the sins of loved ones forgiven so that they could come to a loving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In Ezekiel 36, 35, we read, And they will say, This land was desolate, has become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. They knew where the strength laid. It laid with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were crying out to God for that. They were crying out from Isaiah 64.1, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nation might tremble at your presence when you did awesome things that we did not look for. You came down, the mountain quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by his, their ear. No eye has seen the God beside you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you are angry and we sinned. In our sins, we have been long time, and shall we be saved? Come down from heaven, they are crying, that the Spirit of God would come down in their communities, change their hearts, change their perspectives of life to drive them closer to service to God. Psalm 85, restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your right indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again? That your people may rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. They're crying out to God for his mercy. They're crying out 
for God to come and bless their communities, their homes, their towns. They wanted a walk with God that was closer. In John 16, 24, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask in the Father's name, he will give it to you. And now you have received, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. They wanted more fullness of the Holy Spirit, closeness of God. That is how the believer's joy is full. It's when we walk stride for stride with God in our calling. We aren't giving up things. We are receiving more and more. Our lives are more and more fulfilled. They believe the promises like in John 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. They understood their part in advancing God's church, his kingdom. Their duty to God. They would do greater works. There would be people saved when they were calling out on God. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. But notice the intention here. It has to be to glorify God. We serve him. Whatever we do, we glorify him. The people of the island understood that at this time. They didn't need programs. They didn't need entertainment. They didn't even have an organ in the church. Not even a hymnal. They didn't need it. They had prayer. They had God's word. And it transformed their nation. Now these saints were praying for a long time before revival came. Many of them saw the revival in 1939 and were part of that, where they were saved. They remembered the closeness of God. The warriors disrupted that revival. But many who were the prayer warriors for the revival in 1949 were the ones who were saved in 1939. And Duncan Campbell was used greatly. Yeah, he was the minister that was used greatly. But when anybody would say, oh, you caused the revival, he would rebuke him immediately. He said when he got there, the revival was already started through the prayer meetings. He said you could feel the spirit of God's closeness. Yeah, he was a tool that God used. But he never took any glory. He glorified God. So how exactly did the revival start on that December day? Well, Duncan Campbell came, and there were a group of elders in Barvis that would pray every night. From the day he got there, 
They asked him to join them. They prayed in what Campbell thought was a barn, but it was an old house, thatched house, that was used as a shed. The houses were advanced. Now they didn't use the thatched roofs. And the Kenneth MacDonald rose and prayed from Psalm 24. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. After praying those verses, he said, It seems to be worthless to be gathering here night after night, seeking God as we're doing, if our hearts are not pure. And he said, God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? At that very moment, the power of the Holy Spirit filled that room. Several men fainted or fell into a trance with the overwhelming awareness of the eternal God and his holiness. What a wonderful, humbling manifestation for all these people. John Smith, remember him? I mentioned him last time. He was a blacksmith that was praying, and he was a big part of this as the movement went on. He said, they all became aware of the holiness of God. And this was a meeting these prayer warriors never forgot. A moment in their life that was unimaginable. The closeness of God's holiness. They were filled with the holiness of God. And at meetings after that prayer time, hearts were broken. Men and women and children were repentant, repenting. And that awareness of God had spread throughout the island. More and more meetings were called. People came from all over the island to the meetings. People came from Canada. The relatives who lived in England, Canada, other places were told of the going on of the revival. They came back to their own country. And as one man put it, he says, I was seeking God all over and I had to come home to find him. Not many cars then on the island. They take buses, delivery trucks, yet they came. And yes, there were manifestations. It may be hard for us to understand. Some people did faint, they're going to a trance like state when they were in the awareness of God. Should that surprise us? You know, in First Chronicles 21:14, so the Lord sent the pestilence on Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. And God sent the angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. But as he was about to destroy it, the Lord saw, and he relented from the calamity. 
And he said to the angel who was working destruction, It is enough, now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor at Oman, the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven. And in his hands a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. You know, many other places in Scripture, when people are aware of the glory of God, the holiness of God, they fall on their faces. They freeze. They recognize their own sinfulness. What did Peter do when God calmed the storm? He said, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Some of the meeting held their hands up for hours. These meetings would go on for three hours. They'd stand like statues. People couldn't even pull their arms down. After three hours, when the meeting was over, they dropped their hands. Their hands would be blue. No ill effects. Some heard heavenly music. They couldn't explain it. But usually it was two or three or four would hear it. According to God's word, two or three or four witnesses. Should that surprise us? What did the shepherds hear when Christ's birth was announced? A choir from heaven. Some would mention this to the ministers and they'd say, why would you not? Expect that. God is opening the portal to heaven to us. It wasn't these manifestations that were glorified. They're just accepted. In one case, they felt the whole house shake, like at Pentecost. And at that very moment, there was a prayer meeting going on in that house. People fell to their knees in repentance, those who were seeking salvation. Some say they saw a blazing light at the moment they were saved. A glimpse of God. Others had dreams that the Holy Spirit would visit towns and that it would skip some towns. The thing is, those dreams came true. Many, some towns were skipped. Others were not. You know, I don't know what to make of these manifestations. But I do know I'm not going to command God to act as I think he should act. In other revivals, we hear of similar things. It was the closeness of God what we do know for sure is that the law was preached as well as grace. All of the people who were interviewed said after the sermons, there was no doubt in their mind that there was a real hell and people who did not repent were going to it. And it was a terrible place. And there was a real heaven and those who accepted Jesus Christ avoided hell. They said there was absolutely no doubt in their mind after each sermon preached. 
that there was a hell. And people were heading to it. They said the preaching was pretty simple and clear. And at times the preachers would have to stop because there was so much noise from the people weeping under the conviction of sin. Others just prostrated themselves on the floor begging for God for forgiveness, just murmuring. Forgive me, Lord, I'm a sinner. They did have meetings for the seekers. Those looking. However, there were no steps to salvation given to them. There was no simple prayer. Mostly the elders or the deacons or the ministers would say, From John 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. And they would encourage these seekers to seek God, to seek out God's voice till they heard it. They knew and they understood that the sinner's war was a war against God. The sinners were enemies of God, and the truth had to be made between the sinner and God. You know, just as Jacob had to wrestle with God alone. You know, in Genesis 32, and it says, And Jacob was left alone, and the man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face. And yet my life has been delivered. Jacob wrestled with God alone. You know, in these revivals we have nowadays many times, they say, say a little prayer. Or men declare people saved. And yet when they do the follow-up, they say out of the thousands saved, none of them go to church, or very few. Remember the one guy in Romania, he says, yeah, everybody in Romania has been saved at least 14 times. It's because people stick their hand where it doesn't belong. The struggle is between the sinner and with God. And on this island, they knew that, and they did not interfere. Here's an example of one lady, and I think she might have had a little more of an axe to grind than others, but it says, One man was in such a state of mind with terrible conviction, 
and Duncan Campbell was called to the house. His wife opened the door of the bedroom and let Mr. Campbell see him writhing and weeping in anguish of soul. And she said, there he is, Mr. Campbell. There he is, the mighty sinner. She said, let him, have the, let him take his belly full as she closed the door on him in his grief. Again, they had after meetings, but it was like a shepherd trying to tell them the grace of God, but they did not interfere. They let the people wrestle and struggle with God. They had to settle at peace with God. They travailed with God. Just like Jacob did all night. Fortunately for this guy, the next day, he got his salvation. He found his peace with God. That wasn't the case for all. Some found salvation right away. Some in a few hours. Some in a few days. Some in a few weeks. Some in months. As the revival continued, month after month, it went on for a couple of years, it was nothing to see people weeping alongside the road, at the harbor, at their workplace. Some men couldn't even work. They were in such a state of conviction. Week in, week out. People would stop and pray, but nobody stuck their hand in and tell them, oh, you're saved just because you're seeking God. They knew that the peace of God had to come between the sinner and themselves. They didn't try to tip the scale. Those who were truly seeking God, they did prevail. God kept his promise. Why he tarried for some, who knows? But there was a real brokenness of spirit. There was joy after salvation came, but it was only after the law had did its work, had broken the sinner, had convicted the sinner. And again, there was no need for follow-up. Like nowadays, revivals, you follow up. That's got to be the worst job in the world. People claim they're saved, and you call them time and time again, why aren't you going to church? You couldn't keep these people who were saved away from the next meeting. Remember what they said about the, the, or the climate there, saturated by brine-soaked winds straight off the Atlantic, and with inhospitable climate, as you'll find in the United Kingdom? Well, Duncan Campbell said it didn't matter if it was summer or winter when the revivals were held. People would walk to the meetings, not many cars. They'd walk 10, 15 miles. Someone wouldn't get home until daybreak, and then they'd go to work. You could not keep the new believers away from the meetings. They wanted to be with the saints. The young people who were converted wanted to be with the older saints. There was no age gap, no generation gap. There was a church unity and family, a closeness. 
And we know this, remember, they kept accurate records for communion. One minister said, of all the hundreds that were saved, he can only think of four who turned back. Many of them became elders, deacons, ministers, missionaries. Most, like most other Christians, prevailed in their own callings where God called them. Like the blacksmith, whoever, he was used. God used saints in their particular callings. Like it says, you know, not many were noble. Consider your callings. Not many were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak in the world to shame the strong. God used his saints. It was a revival of Christian unity, which really brought it about. Like that one lady said, it was a community of prayer. And yeah, there was resistance. There were resistance of people who hated God. But sadly, many of the people record that the relatives who would not come to faith at that time never did. Was that closeness of God their last call to come to saving faith? Intercessory prayer was big. Many came to the Lord just through the intercessory prayer of others, praying for relatives. Campbell was going down the road and he saw a young lady weeping along the road. And he thought she was under conviction of sin. And she says, no, I'm weeping for my village. I don't want the revival to pass by it. There's young men I went to school with. I know they're not saved. At that very hour, these young men were planning their weekend party. And one of them said, yeah, maybe we better buy a bunch of extra liquor this week because if that revival hits, it'll be the last time we get the party. Campbell prayed with the girl for two hours. The guys never made the party. Six of them came under conviction and were saved. More and more stories like that. Again, there was resistance. The free church which was a dominant church on the island, would not open their doors to the revival because there was that big separation between the Church of Scotland and the church, the free church. Many of the members of the free church were saved. Many of the elders and deacons were saved. But the ministers just fought against it. They said nothing good could come out of the free church or the Church of Scotland. How many blessings do we miss because we think we're the only ones? It was a prayer. Again, you could see the results by how people kept the faith, were transformed. 
People wrote hymns who never wrote hymns before. Some of the Gaelic hymns that are still sung today. But that's what God does. When revival comes to a people, he gets people to be their best. To use us where we never thought we could be used. That's what all revival does. That's what Christianity does. It raises everything. The Dutch Republic. When Christianity came there, it took hordes of tribesmen. It turned into the greatest shipping country of the world. The envy of the world. Standard living. Raised everything. The revival in Geneva with Calvin. Raised everything. The only thing that feared were the wicked. They were, they were the cockroaches that had to hide and crawl back under the rocks where they belong. In America here, our roots run deep. Alex de Tocqueville, French historian. You know, when the French Revolution and the American Revolution, they were real close in time frames. France struggled like crazy. Alexa Detectable, non-believer, he came over to study why America is great. His conclusion, America is great because America is good, and he expounded on why it was good. It was because of Protestant Calvinistic teaching the parents gave to their youth that Christianity was for everyday life. America rose to greatness because God was being honored and worshipped. Our roots run deep. The Tolkien did give a warning. He said, America is good or great because America is good. And America will fail to be great when America is not good. I think we're at that stage right now. We've fallen away from Christianity and look at the evil that has risen in the ranks around us. So the reverse said, all we have to do is be good again. Follow God. Why Lewis? Why was the revival there? Well, God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. Is it because of what Knox taught, the roots of Christianity there? You know, the Second Great Awakening in America in 1800 started in Kentucky, and I just thought, oh. So I looked up a little bit, and yeah, a big migration of Scottish into Kentucky. Was that why a revival started in Kentucky? In the 1800s, because of the works of John Knox years ago? I don't know. How come there was a revival in Kentucky now? And it's still going on in other colleges. You wonder, I do know one thing. It said in the island of Lewis, 
And Harris, there wasn't much need for policemen, just like it was in uh, at Geneva's time. They said each town maybe had one cop, mostly for clerical work. And again, not many drivers, not many cars. And tweed, woven fabric, was the mainstay for a lot of these farmers. And they'd take, take and they put it in bales and put it alongside the road for the guy to pick up. Months and months worth of wages just set alongside the road. They never even worried about it being stolen. So then I thought, well, I'm going to look up tweed, where the best tweed in the world comes from. Guess where it comes from? Lewis and Harris. Best quality, best value. That's what Christianity does to a nation and to a people. We all are to work on to the Lord. When we work on the Lord, it brings out our best, it brings out the most value, and it raises the whole society. We have the answers. We are the people of God who have been given a gift to represent him and his church to change the culture. But it starts like the one guy said, are my hands clean before you, Lord? Can you use me? I guess that's at the heart of this, these messages. Can God use us because of our clean hands? Can God take us beyond ourselves to advance his kingdom? He's done it in the past, just through saints like you and I. The prayer is that God will use us to transform our nation. It needs it. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we have seen how you have used your saints in the past to advance your kingdom. And Lord, that's your method. You set it up. I just pray, O oh Lord, that you clean our hearts, clean our minds, clean our hands, clean our schedules. That we serve you, Lord, and seek you out in all manners of life. And that you raise us up to change the culture so our children have a future and a hope. And I pray that your kingdom becomes dominant again in America as these false dog kingdoms come to an end. These false wicked men who destroy prosperity destroy lives, kill the unborn. I pray that you bring them down and raise your church up in Jesus' name.